Didi and I have, have come and gone, and, and the third time we say we're not going anywhere now. Um, and so we retired. Uh, but there's something about cab that causes people to come and get locked in. And so I'm not going to call Kate up because she's threatened me, and I'm scared of her. <laughs> but unfortunately, Kate and Luke are getting ready to head off to uh, the wonderful place of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, I know at least Kate's going kicking and screaming. Uh, she shared much stories about the chagrins of there, but they do need prayers. They're trying to get base housing, uh, and they need God to open that door up for them. Uh, it's just better for them, for their family, uh, for the job that Luke is going to be doing up there, so keep them in prayer. But in light of that, we can't replace Kate, but we can certainly put a warm body in her place. <laughs> um, she, she does tremendous stuff around here. She sees it in ministry. But we did find somebody that uh, is going to take and, and uh, do his best to fill those shoes. And yes, I said him. Uh, Richard, would you and Angie come up? We have stolen Richard away from Apple. You can hear the youth are excited about him being stolen away in the fact that he has been a part of our youth and, and helping with the youth group uh, for several months now. He has uh, placed himself here. He does have a calling to ministry, and so this is a step towards that process, but he is taking Kate's place, so if you call and you hear a deeper voice... The interesting factor is that we just realized the other day that, uh, that uh, both Richard and I can ask, answer to both Richard Marino or Richard Brown either way. It means that Marino is a version of Brown for, for Spanish, so if you ask for one of us, you may get both. <laughs> but we're thankful that uh, Richard has accepted uh, to come and, and be our admin assistant uh, here until Kate comes back and she could, tries to get him fired. <laughs> and that's, that's a prophecy that they will come back. Now, they, the thing about Kate and Luke is, and, and the thing that, you, that we found is when you come to CAB, you can't help but get engaged and involved, and they have been coming very much of that. And it's hard. This is probably the hardest, just like it was for Didi and I when we first left here several years ago. Uh, it's, this is a hard move for them, so make sure you love on them. But we're glad that Richard and Angie are part of us and very blessed by them. Uh, excited to get to know them more. But uh, Richard, you want to talk? Well, guys, thank you so much again. Um, in first service, I talked about God's plan. The youth over here will know about it. I promise I'm not teaching them the Kanye West version. Let's uh, make that clear. <laughs> But there was one thing at, that I love about this church is this, the environment, how, how I said in, the, in first service, that it's not our plan, it's God's plan, Amen. that we are following that every single day. At Apple, it's kind of a blessing, and I won't say a curse, because it, I did, it did help me a lot. But I think of it as kind of like a season. I never think of New Year's resolutions because we all know like day two coming into New Year's resolution, you're like, I completely forgot. I'm done. Um, and at the beginning of last December, God said, you know what? I have plans for you. And at first I was like, all right, you know, January 1st, let's go. What are we doing? And God said, not yet. 
You know, you're in your season of this waiting. You're going to get there. You need to grow. You need to learn more about the Bible. You need to grow in your faith. And now that I'm here, I'm just hungrier than I ever was before. Pastor Rick will know this, that I am just extremely hungry for the Word of God. And I always want, every single day, I pray for more knowledge. I pray for just an anointment. And I'm just so glad to be here. I think this year is going to be an amazing year for all of us. I think in past years, there's been a lot of stuff, all, a lot from the government, a lot from the devil. But I think this year is our year. I think it's time to take back what was taken. I think it's time to take back what at first we thought was gone. And I know this year is going to be an amazing year. And I can't wait to do it with you guys. So God bless. <laughs> Take a chance to get to know Richard and Angie. Uh, we are actually not just getting two of them, we're getting three. They're expecting their first child here soon. So we're excited about that aspect. As you can see, Pastor wasn't, is not here. Pastor and I talked back and forth all day yesterday. Uh, and at one point he says, if I can be there, I got dibs on preaching. I said, of course you do. <laughs> then at about 9.55 last night, he texted me and says, I'm staying up here. I'm getting a hotel. I'm going to get some rest. It's you. Fortunately, God has been dealing with me with a sermon. And also, fortunately, after 38 years of being in the Army, I've learned how to tap dance for generals. So <laughs> if I can tap dance for generals, I think I can tap dance for you all. This morning. So we're going to get into God's word this morning. I titled this sermon, No Rose Garden. And there's a song from the 60s, late 60s, that in that song it says, I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Along with the sunshine, there's got to be a little rain sometime. Somewhere we got a misconception that God promised a rose garden when we accept Christ. That everything is going to be smooth sailing, it's going to be great, it's just going to be perfect, peaceful, an amazing time. I think about a sign that I've seen along the highway that shows rough seas in one picture and calmness in another picture saying before Christ and after Christ. And I would take and ask you, how many have experienced that calm sea since you've accepted Christ? Maybe a peace, but not necessarily calm seas. So somewhere we got this idea that if we accept Christ, God promised us this tranquil rose garden out there, that it's going to be just this peaceful, easygoing life. He does provide us the peace, but it's in the midst of our struggles, it's the midst of our challenges. John 16 says this, Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on this earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Over the past several months, I've been dwelling upon this this topic of struggles, of challenges, of a hard life, 
And I can't tell you why, but maybe it was just simply that God knew that I'd be standing before you today. And so he's preparing me with a sermon in my head. And I've looked through scripture and passages like this one, where Jesus says there is going to be challenges. How can we have a misconception that there's not going to be challenges? Jesus himself said there's going to be hard, some hard times. There's going to be some, some issues in life. You're going to face some struggles. So where do we get this misconception? Maybe it's a misconception comes from the fact that as a Christian, even in the midst of the struggles, we have a peace. We have the confidence that God's got it together for us. Unfortunately, there's those who have faced the challenges of life. And they've tasted the refreshing water that God gives. But then they spit. They spew it out. And then because they've gotten discouraged and they've walked away because it's just too hard in life. I know about a bit about struggles. Many of you know that I have served 38 years in the Army up until last September when I finally retired. And you know it's time to retire when one of your NCOs was born six months before you joined. And he retires in November. But as a chaplain, I've watched how there are those who join the army and they get to the first few days in the reception where it's really not that bad, and they quit. They walk away because it's just too hard. And there's some Christians out there who are facing challenges and are questioning and thinking about walking away because it's just too hard. 2 Timothy 2 says, Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Endure suffering as a good soldier. Some of you know what it's like to be military and serve in the military and the challenges. And we make fun of each other as to who has it tougher. But we all have suffered through the military, for those who have been there. Some of you have seen pictures, much like the ones on the screen. And you can understand the suffering from there, but let me give you a little bit of image, because this image that we see in 2 Timothy strikes well within me. It's a very clear image. There are soldiers or military personnel as a whole, go through some challenges. They go off to basic training, and they often are told, we're going to break you down to build you back up. It's going to be hard. It's hard for a reason. It's a challenge for a reason. Because ultimately, what they're trying to do is prepare that individual for combat. I know a little bit about combat. In my 38 years, I've been to combat three times. And when you're in combat, you don't know when you're going to get sleep. So you take it when you can, no matter how it comes. Whether it be in puddles of water or any other manner, you find sleep and you take it. 
because you don't know when you're going to sleep again. In November of 2004, I was at an, in an operation to take back Fallujah called Operation Phantom Fury. It's the second battle of Fallujah, one of the biggest battles in that time of Iraq. And there, we went days without sleep. We, did, we didn't know when we were going to get sleep. We went days without sleep. When I did sleep, it was on the ground or inside the Humvee on the front seat. And those things don't recline like your car does. It's a flat, hard seat. Sitting straight up. Didn't know when our next meal would be. If we'd get another meal, would it be hot? Would it be an MRE? What it would be. In the midst of all that, rockets and mortars are coming in on us. Firefights all around us. It's a rough life. It's a struggle. It's a challenge. In 38 years of service and 37 years of marriage, Didi and I were probably gone over five years apart. It's a challenge. It's a struggle. When I was stationed at Fort Lee at training installation for the Army, during the height of the Operation Iraqi Freedom Operation, during Freedom, when we were sending more and more troops over into combat, I had a trainee come up to me. And I will admit I was a bit frustrated because I was not that far removed from combat, but this trainee come up to me and he says, I didn't join for this. I said, didn't join for what? He said, I didn't join to go to combat. He said, I didn't know we were in war. I said, you don't have to watch much news to know we were in war. He said, but I didn't join up for this. I said, there's only one reason we're wearing a multicolored leisure suit. And that's to go to combat. That uniform you wear signifies to go to combat. We're not staying back in garrison. So when you joined, you should have realized that. When you joined, because now he's past basic training. He's in his schooling. He's only weeks from taking and going off to his first unit. And he wanted to quit. When I joined at 17, I knew there was a chance. In fact, during the first call, four I was told, pack your bags, be ready to go. And I was in my last year, last semester of college. Fortunately, I didn't have to go. I was able to finish school instead. But I knew I had to go at some point. As I said, I've been there three times. Within the military, there is only about 1% who ever joined. Of those who are able to join, only about 1% join. Why do I tell you all this? I want you to picture being a soldier because you, and when you accept being a Christian, when you accept Christ, you become a soldier in God's army. There's a reason Ephesians talks about the armor of God. And so when the scripture says, suffer as a good soldier, you're a soldier in God's army. And if you weren't expecting to go into combat, into the spiritual world, then you miss some things in scripture. Because there's only one reason that scripture says, put on the full armor of God. It's not to remain back in garrison, safe and sound. You're going to be into combat. You're going to be into spiritual combat. We're to put on the whole armor of God. We are spiritual warriors. 
Now, in some ways, I'm a bit jealous of pastor. Normally, I'm the one deploys, and he's deployed up to the state house. I'm not used to staying back. And as Linda said, we're here as he is lifting his arms up like Aaron and Ur did for Moses. He needs that. He's in spiritual battle. God has called him to be where he's at right now. It doesn't change the fact he's still our lead. He's still our senior pastor, our lead. He is our leader here. And we're to follow his example. Right now, God has him deployed up the state house. When I talked about the fact that about less than 1% ever joined the military who are able to, Scripture talks about that in God's army. Matthew 7 says, You enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. The gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult. Only a few ever find it. That's why there's a song, Highway to Hell and Stairway to Heaven. A lot, of, a lot of more challenges going to heaven, right? In verses, these verses alone, we can gain an understanding that being a Christian is going to be a, not, it's not going to be a simple matter. It's not necessarily going to be easy. Verse 14 says, the road is difficult. If you hadn't read that, highlight it. Understand it. There's going to be some challenges. I did a Google search, not the best way to take and do it, but it gave me enough knowledge that I, I needed. When I did that Google search of suffering in Scripture, I found over 30 Scriptures just in that Google search, dealing with us suffering as Christians, following after Christ. Over 30 Scriptures. That means it's pretty important. That means that we need to understand that we're going to face some challenges in life. One of my favorite books is the book of James. The reason I like James is he's straight up. He says, here it is. It's going to be challenging, but this is how you deal with it. It's going to be challenging, but this is how you deal with it. And he starts off that way in the first chapter. I know for many of us, if we... When we read the first chapter of James, we get to the first couple of verses and we turn around and go find another book to read. Because we don't necessarily want to hear what James has to say here. But he says it clear and plain to us. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. How many of you face some challenges? You go, great, this is awesome. I will tell you, there's very few soldiers who go through training who go, this is, this is just amazing. It might be good training, but I will tell you, a happy soldier is a complaining soldier. It's not fun to have to go through it. But when we go through the training that we need to go through, the challenges that we need to go through, we're more prepared, we're more capable of enduring what we need to do.
through studying scripture, through conversation with others, and just meditating on the passages that God had laid upon my heart, I found three areas of suffering in our lives. Two are what I call positive suffering. Never known positive suffering to be positive? Two are considered what I consider positive suffering. They're suffering because you're doing the right thing. Challenges of just living the Christian life, just going through life, there's struggles. That's a positive suffering because it's taking and growing you and making you better. The second positive suffering is the challenges of following God's call. That's another step, another level. Because living a Christian life, living a life in general has its own challenges, but when you accept that call and you understand that call that God has asked you to do, no matter what it is, it's a call for you to minister to a certain group of people. Whether you be a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, whatever it might be, but you're in that to share the gospel and that's God's calling upon your life. It could be vocational ministry. There's going to be an extra challenge in that. Because Satan may stroke to give you challenges when you normally live in life, but when you take and accept the mantle of leadership, of spiritual leadership, now he's a little more nervous. And he wants to discourage you and challenge you on that. Those are positive because we're doing what God wants us to do. And then making us better in who we are in our Christian walk and making us more and more like Jesus. Negative suffering is when you choose not to do what God wants you to do. When you walk away from the calling that he's placed on your life. It's negative suffering because God's going to discipline you. He's going to take and, and draw you back to him with all that he can. It's self-inflicted suffering. I'll tell you, for years I have dealt with the positive suffering with people. People come to me and talk to me about, I'm having this issue and that issue. And we look and we explore it a little bit. And we look at it in the fact that there's going to be troubles in this Christian walk. We look at it in the fact that, are you going where God wants you to go? There's going to be problems in that. But I will tell you that I have failed oftentimes, I think, people, in the fact that I have not looked at this from the other side in the negative aspect. Are you running away from God? Is the challenges you're facing self-inflicted? That positive suffering, that suffering through life that we're going through, the challenges like a soldier faces in training, there's a purpose and a point to that. It's to make us better, to make us to be able to draw closer to God. The intent is not to discourage you, but to take and chip away some things that you don't need. When a soldier is going through training, they are taken and, and pressed upon some things that are intended to make them better, to make them understand a discipline. And being a disciplined soldier. Because when you're disciplined, lives are saved in that manner. You're doing the right things. 
A soldier preparing to go to combat will do the same things over and over and over again, and they will get tired of it. Why are we doing this all over again? Because the commander wants them to have muscle memory. Muscle memory is when you do things just because you're trained to do it. So in the midst of a firefight, you just react to the situation and you take and save lives, you save your life and you save somebody else's life because it's memorized. Because you just act and you're not acting out of fear and confusion, you're acting out of knowledge and understanding. Too many times I was going through Iraq, roads opened up on both sides of, of being shot at on both sides. And because you know what to do, you just get through that. There's things in our life as Christians we need to have muscle memory that it is not second thought. When challenges come our way, we immediately know to turn to God. We immediately turn to the scripture because it's been muscle memory. The challenge is, is that we don't do the muscle memory and we get waller in self-pity and, and misery instead of turning immediately to God. Time is lost. And God wants you to have that muscle memory to know that you can turn to prayer and to scripture. And sometimes it's what a general used to call when he come, came to my unit when I was a basic training chaplain. Every nine weeks he'd come. Christian man of God, and he talked about bullet prayers. And he talked to soldiers. Sometimes you have no, nothing you're able to do but say, God, help me. You do that because it's muscle memory. God wants to train us up. We're going to endure some challenges. James says, count all joy. Why? Because it's intended to perfect your faith. We don't have to look very far but to Job. Job was a man who was just living life. And he faced some of the greatest challenges. Do we think we're better than Job? That we shouldn't face some challenges? 1 Peter 3 says, Now you will want, now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do, to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants, then suffer for doing wrong. It's better to walk in after Christ, to follow after Him, to answer His call and endure a little pain and suffering than it is to suffer for doing, not doing what He's asked us to do. That suffering of answering that call, especially when it's dealing with spiritual leadership, it doesn't necessarily mean vocational ministry, but it's suffering for doing the call. No matter what you're called to do, you're also called to spread the gospel. Linda told me before second service, pastor did that up at the state house. Took some personal time. And he preached the gospel. 
What is what has God called you to do, and how has He told you to spread the gospel? I've told infantrymen and others in the army that you know people expect me as a chaplain to say things and do certain things, but when you live for Christ and you do the same things in the midst of all the same troubles that they're faced, it impacts differently. I'll tell you, pastor's enduring some suffering up the state house. He'd rather be here. This is where he'd rather be with you. He loves you dearly, and he hates the time being away. But God asked him to do that, and he said, yes, I'll go do that. It's suffering. Because it's not easy. This is easy for him. God said, go do. Be that light. What is God asking you to go do? He's our example. Are we doing the same thing? Christ suffered. Why should we not suffer? I served for 38 years in the army, not because it was easy, but because God asked me to go. I didn't have to go to Fallujah. The op orders that we got said there was going to be 80% casualties. I could have been one of those. But I needed to be there, and I'd rather be there in the midst where God wanted me to be than safe at some fob somewhere else. When we answer the call that God has placed on our lives and take on the mantle of spiritual leadership, there's going to be challenges. Satan prefers us not to answer the call. He's okay if we're just Christians sitting on the pew. But the minute you engage, he's going to take and, and engage with you. That's not to scare you, that's to prepare you. When we as soldiers are told the enemy is going to engage us, it's not to scare us, it's to prepare us so we know what to do. Amen. When God asks you to go and get off the pew and get engaged in, in teaching somebody, in the nursery, in someplace else, in being a spiritual leader, women's ministry, men's ministry, children's ministry, maybe in your job, it's not to scare you, it's to prepare you. There's going to be challenges when you take and stop settling to sitting on the pew and start engaging in the ministry that God's asked you to do. Be prepared for the fight and take it to them. The Army, the Air Force, Marines, whoever it is that is in the midst of the battle, we take the, battle, the fight to them. We don't wait for them to come to us. We need to be taking the fight to Satan and tell him to knock it off. Some of you just need to punch him in the nose and say, get away. Satan wants us to be mediocre. He wants us sitting on that bench, not engaged, and we need to say, send me in, coach. I want to go. But be aware there's going to be challenges. God did not call me to be timid and afraid and not to go into battle. He hasn't called you to be timid and afraid and not take a face to spiritual battles. He wants you to be prepared. He's going to take and prepare you. When you're living the call, Satan's going to try to discourage you. He's going to try to prevent you from doing what God has asked you to do. Engage. Don't be scared of the troubles because they're going to be there. But engage. Watch what God will do. 
when you face suffering, suffering because you are serving Jesus and it's working to perfect your faith? Or are you saving, facing suffering because you are running away from what God has asked you to do? Positive suffering is great. It's going to train you up. It's going to prepare you. Discipline? Being disciplined is never fun, is it? How many like getting spankings from mom and dad? When you choose to not follow after God, when you choose to be a Jonah, God is going to take that and he's going to take and give you discipline. That's self-inflicted suffering. Some of you here are in self-inflicted suffering. God's told you to do something and you have been reluctant to do it. I know about fear about serving after God and following after what he's asked you to do. Took me two years to get in college because I was reluctant to go. God gave me a wife that kicked me in the rear and filled out the paperwork and put me in. She was more scared about not being in ministry than I was about being in ministry. And we went. And I squeezed four years into four years, and those who've gone through college know getting four years of college in in four years can be a little bit of a challenge. But when I went to seminary, I squeezed three years into six. Yeah, do the math there. Why? Because I was too afraid to stop going to school because the minute I stopped going to school, now I have to answer the full calling of God. And as I told commanders time and time again in combat, I'd rather trade you places because having somebody's life in my hand is easier than having their eternity in my hands. And I had to be willing to accept the call that I was going to take and what I say from up here or anywhere else impacts people's eternity. And I do it every time with fear and trembling, agonizing over what is going to be said because it impacts forever. Don't be a Jonah. What did Jonah do? God called him to Nineveh and said, go. And what did he do? He went the other way. Right? We find him on the boat. I'm not going to take and go through the whole passage I have for you, but we're going to jump down to verse 9. Actually, verse 8, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? He said, throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is my fault, is all my fault. There is a storm that you are in in your life, and it's all your fault. You're inflicting extra suffering on yourself because you refuse to hear what God has asked you to do and acknowledge him and move out in that and you're inflicting self-harm upon yourself. Self-suffering. And you're wondering, woe is me, why is me? You know why. Because God said do and you're not doing. 
Jonah knew. He said, throw me overboard and everything will be okay. Then he suffered in the, in the belly of a fish for three days. Until God could get his heart in the right place. I know family that have refused to answer the call to ministry. And I've watched their lives crumble, their families crumble, destroyed. Because when you're unwilling to take and do what God has asked you to do, it is not just you that gets harmed in that. Jonah inflicted the suffering upon a whole boat of people. Because of his selfishness, because of his arrogance, because of his unwillingness to follow after God, he was putting a ship into harm's way. Your unwillingness to answer what God has asked you to do puts your family and others around you in harm. Not only that, it prevents people from hearing the gospel in a timely manner. God's going to use somebody to get the gospel to them. But he wants to use you. He wants to use you. There's no reason to have to endure self-inflicted pain. It's like going to the doctor and saying, doctor, doctor, it hurts when I do that. He says, stop doing it. Some of you are running to God saying, God, God, it hurts when I do this. Or when I don't do this, more, likely, more accurately put. He said, well, do what I ask you to do. Stop being stupid and get involved in what I've asked you to get engaged in. Stop holding back. Struggles for following after God is always going to be less than the challenges for refusing to answer the call. The bottom line in all the challenges that we face is it's trying to get us drawn closer to God. Whether it be positive suffering or negative suffering, it's about getting us to take and rely upon God, to be focused upon Him, to take and be engaged with Him. Paul asked three times, remove this thorn from my side, and God said no. And I believe that the possible reason why is it kept him connected to God in a way that he otherwise would not be. Suffering should cause us to rely upon God, to call after him, to take and get into his word and get into prayer and understanding. All the challenges have one purpose. To draw us closer to God. Psalms 119 said, One says, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. He should be teaching us to pay attention to his decrees. 2 Corinthians 4.17, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. The bit of pain and suffering that you're enduring, when it's positive, when it's right, when you're falling after God, we'll only endure a little bit of time. Isaiah 43 says, Where you go, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You're not in that suffering alone. God's walking beside you. I think about Peter walking on the water. He cried out to God because he's too far away to save himself. Jesus reached out and raised him up. You know when Jesus calmed the waters? 
when they were back in the boat. He walked with them across those stormy seas back to the boat. Christ suffered, and he says, be like him. 1 Peter 4, 1, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. You learn to get rid of that sin. So we all are going to face challenges. Make sure that challenge is not self-inflicted. Make sure you're listening to the heart of God and following after his heart and what he has to say. It's going to be challenging nonetheless, but the challenges you'll face because you're walking after him are nothing compared to the challenges you'll face when you don't answer that call. It's always better to follow after him. If you're facing suffering and challenges today because you're walking after him, Jesus says, I'll give you the peace. I'm here to walk alongside you. Just let me. But there's a purpose for it. There's things I have faced in my own life that always prepared me for something worse so that I could have the endurance to get through that peace. Because if I had not suffered this area here, this area was going to be a whole lot more. I had a challenge in, in the army once. And when I look at that, that was simple compared to the other challenge I faced years later. That caused me to even cry out even more to God. There's things we need to go through to make us perfect and complete. Work through those things. But in all things, make sure you're not self-inflicting. Heavenly Father, I come before you. Lord, you've called us to walk after you. You've called us to be spiritual warriors, to stand up. There's things we've got to go through, a little bit of challenges, a pain, a suffering, to tear us down, to take off the things we don't need to build us up. Lord, I think of the words of General Jackson who said, my faith has taught me to be as safe in combat as I am in my own bed. Lord, that's what you're trying to get us to, to understand that we're safe in you. When we're walking after you and doing what you've asked us to do, we're safe with you. Lord, those challenges we face are meant to take and draw us closer to you, to make us better warriors. So when we put on that armor, we know what we're doing and we're ready to fight those spiritual battles. Lord, I ask that those who are self-inflicting pain upon themselves because they are unwilling to follow after you, that they would take and turn like Jonah did and do what you've asked them to do. For the rewards are great. Those who are doing, Heavenly Father, I just encourage their heart today. Encourage them, Heavenly Father, that you have not forsaken them, that you're walking beside them. You got them, 
and they can get through those challenges because there's better things on the other side. Be with each one, Heavenly Father. Encourage their heart. Lord, if there's one here who's not saved and they're facing those challenges, I ask that they would be encouraged today to walk after you and realize that the challenges that I face of not following you are going to always be harder than walking in your path. Let them call out to you and say, God, forgive me. Come into my life. Give us the strength each day, Heavenly Father, to walk after you. To be willing to put on that armor and go into battle because we're prepared and understand what we're facing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's got something for you. He knows where you're at. He's not surprised by the challenges you have faced and are facing. If you're running away from God, just take and turn away and go in His direction. It's going to be a whole lot better. Amen. We ask that you keep the church in prayer as a whole. The banks come back and said, we'll give you this much and no more. But God is a bigger God that will kill the cattle on a thousand hills, sell the meat, and give us the money. And I believe that he will give us what we need because I think the timing for this church is now for us to build. But he's got to provide in his time and his place. So keep that in prayer that the banks will open their wallets. Amen. And if you haven't opened yours and God's laid it on your heart, we have uh, the uh, cards out there. Let us know. Let God be willing to bless you by, by your following after him. Go in his peace. Go in his grace and mercy. Keep pastor in prayer as he continues to fight at the state house today. Pray that he gets done soon and gets rest today. Amen. Go in his grace and peace.